0: Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Pauchner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. In today's episode, we talk with Dylan Baca, the Brand and Marketing Manager for the DeLong Company's Grown Climate Smart Program. He talks about how you can be rewarded for no-till and sustainable farming practices, even if you've been doing them for decades.
1: Uh, My name is Dylan Baca. I am the Brand and Marketing Manager here. At the Delong Company for our Climate Smart Commodities Grant and the associated brand that goes with it, which is called Grown Climate Smart, I handle everything that has to do with public outreach and, and education, and and um, you know things like the website and the social medias and the strategic partnerships and things like that too. So it's been a really interesting thing to to work on in these past few months. Um, I think we're all of probably eight months or, or seven months old now. Um, in the sustainability space and with growing climate smart itself. So it's been really fun to work on it and um, kind of build up this brand and educate not only farmers, but the market itself on it as well.
2: What led the DeLong company to get involved in the sustainability space in this capacity?
1: The DeLong company really realized that sometime last year that, you know, all of these companies out there are coming up with these goals for 2025 and 2030 and, and, Even further out, like twenty fifty. Now that I've seen that, you know, they have ESG goals and sustainability goals and carbon reduction goals and things like that. That the Delong company itself saw that in the market and thought, "Wow, that's really interesting." And um, you know, what should we look into to kind of fill into that space and and see what we can help with? And the Delong company itself has been a very forward-thinking company. You know, it's 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 a hundred-plus year-old company, but the past you know number of years, they've they made really some awesome progress themselves on sustainability and things like solar panels and utilizing electric and and, and things like that. So I would say the DeLong company has a a really great mindset for that already. And then when they saw this, you know, the Climate Smart Commodities grant get get brought up and and the USDA started pushing that and saying, hey, we're looking for applicants and for companies to make a difference in the space and with farmers with it. um, They thought it was a really great opportunity. So they wrote up the, the grant proposal for it. Um, And they ended up winning a five-year, $40 million, you know, USDA grant through it. The the grant itself, the the Climate Smart Commodities grant is a little over $3 billion. But like I mentioned, the oil company won uh, $40 million of that to really start a brand and a program to promote sustainable farming practices um, throughout 11 different states. Um, So we work with farmers, you know, as far west as as Nebraska or or Minnesota, but uh, we go all the way. Uh, east to New York as well.
2: So can you explain the exact details of the Growing Climate Smart Program and how that's implemented uh, from the farmer's perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the Growing Climate Smart Program, like I mentioned, it's it's really focused on sustainable farming practices and four specific practices that have been found to increase carbon sequestration rates and, and really, you know, promote carbon capture. So, uh, the four practices that really we specialize on are cover crops, reduced or no-till, nutrient management plans, and uh, establishing windbreaks or renovating windbreaks. So those four practices are are widely known as as being a uh, sustainable or regenerative agriculture, sometimes as they like to call it practices. So really, the process is we would speak to a farmer or a grower, um, and they would say, "Hey, I'm doing you know these practices." Uh, one of at least one of the four, and we enroll them into our program um, and we're able to give them direct incentives for doing these sustainable farming practices. Um, So it's been a really rewarding experience to see, um, you know, us work with farmers that are, are, you know, directly on the ground and doing those actions and and them being able to see incentives for it.
2: So any farmer who's doing one or more of those four practices is eligible?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple caveats to the program. Um, one of the caveats is kind of built in through the USDA and the government itself. You know, a, a farmer or grower can't double dip on funding with other programs. So if we think about CSP funding, if we think about the you know equip program, farmers aren't able to double dip uh, with these specific practices on that same piece of land with the program. And that's just to ensure, you know, the government has a thing where they don't want farmers getting double the amount of incentives for that. Uh, But it's also on our end, too, where we don't want to collect all this data and all this acreage and, and, you know, really put together some awesome, insightful uh, reports. And then, you know, we're reporting that as well. If they're in another program, that same data gets reported. So it kind of just makes everything a little bit more transparent. So that's that's the interesting part of it where, um, you know, it's one caveat where a grower wouldn't be able to get in. But that's not to say that they can't, um, you know, go from one program to another. And, and there's been some that do that. And then, kind of the second caveat, going back to kind of the traceability and the transparency side of it, is if a grower enrolls their acres into our program, um, you know, the, the grain from those acres has to be marketed or go through a DeLong facility um, for us to ensure the traceability and, and, and know where that grain goes and, and how it's attributed to the sustainability market as well.
2: Sure, that makes sense. But that's still unique in that I know a lot of the carbon programs that we hear about here at No-Till Farmer, it's like you have to be switching to cover crops or no-till, whereas it sounds like your program, you can just be doing it and get some incentives.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's really the interesting part about our program and why I think it's been so successful. And we spoke to, you know, quite frankly, hundreds of farmers and, and a good amount of them. Um, unfortunately, they've been doing these practices for years, right? We've been speaking to, you know, a reduced or a no-till farmer for, You know they've been doing that for 20 plus years and they know they've been doing the right thing in the right practice um but how these other programs are set up sometimes is that yes it has to be a new practice and the really cool thing about our program is that we're able to work with farmers who have been doing these practices for years and still incentivize them and i think that's part of why we've been so successful because a lot of these farmers feel victimized right that they can't get these funding opportunities and i I think that's really part of why it makes it so rewarding to work with some of these growers who have been doing the right practices for a long time. I've never gotten the extra incentives out of it. So that's a really cool part of it.
2: Yeah. And I, I'm glad you reached out too, because we had one of our um, no-till farmer advisory board members brought up what the DeLong company was doing for that specific reason. And he was like, this is a company you should definitely look into and pay attention to, because this is such a rare thing to see uh a reward for these practices that we've been doing for years versus trying to get people to switch to them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was just through the conversations we've had and everything, it's been really interesting to to hear that, like I mentioned, we have, you know, hundreds of growers and, and you know over two hundred and sixty thousand acres of sustainable land now that we've been able to enroll in twenty twenty three. And that's kind of been a resounding thing is that, you know, the all company's been around for a long time and and there's been a a great conscious effort to make us you know a trusted company, and we have a really good relationship with the farmers on the ground. So this is just another added benefit that we feel like you know this it's we're we're giving back to the growers and and um, you know incentivizing them for doing the right things and the right practices that um, ultimately, hopefully it becomes less of a niche thing and it becomes more of the norm, right? That's the end goal here is that these practices become more of the norm and, and ultimately make a huge difference for our our earth and, and the environment. Um, but also help produce, you know, the actual yield of the crop as well.
2: So what are the financial incentives actually look like for the farmer and how is that calculated?
1: Yeah. So each practice itself, they're all kind of independent of each other and they all have different incentive amounts on a per acre basis. So, um, you know, if we're talking about cover crops, uh, those are coming in at fifty dollars an acre. Um, If we're talking about a reduced or a no-till, that kind of falls under our tillage management umbrella. Um, So a grower can be doing a reduced or a no-till, and that comes in at $20 an acre, uh, as well as the windbreak establishment or renovations. Those are $20 an acre as well. And then to implement a nutrient management plan, those are at $19 an acre. So there are different incentive levels. And the cool thing is that a grower is able to stack those incentives, right? So we have a lot of farmers that are able to do you know, a lot of them are, are doing the reduced or a no-till, but also utilize cover crops. So they're able to, you know, get up to $70 an acre because they're doing those two practices, which makes a huge difference. You know, seeing the people that have been able to enroll, we have, you know, the part-time farmer that has 40 or or 45 acres, right. But we also have the larger growers that have a, a couple thousand acres and, it's been cool to see it work for everyone involved and in it, not just the small grower, but not just the large grower. Um, but, you know, everyone from each different size of the scale, it, it's made a huge difference for and, and, and been impactful. So that's been really cool.
2: You mentioned the farmer can't double dip um, and those couple of caveats could, other than that, um, let's say they, they pass those. Would they be able to enroll all of their acres with your, your program or do you have a cap on that?
1: You know we don't have a necessarily a cap on the amount of acres. It's really first come first serve in our program. Um we don't necessarily even have a priority list that we reach out to, right? We basically just open it up for everybody. And like I mentioned before we 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 have a little bit over you know seven million dollars worth of incentives each year. basically is how we broke it down through this five year program pretty much evenly, right? So every year we have a little bit over seven million dollars that, we can incentivize growers for doing these practices. So that's all I was saying. It's been really interesting to see some growers take advantage of it when they have 8,000, 10,000 acres. And and there's been some that are able to do um, 60 acres. So there's no cap on it. There's no minimum. So it's really worked out for everybody, you know, as long as they're proactive and, and, you know, fill out the enrollment and the application and, and and stay on top of the game in that that matter. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been able to work on, on, both sides of the scale.
2: So, after they enroll in the program, what do they need to be providing to you um, in terms of uh, either documentation or anything like that?
1: Sure. So, basically, how the process starts out is they, you know, fill out an application packet, just telling us about who they are and, and the practices they do and where they do it. Um, they provide us a couple documents and, um, you know, simple documents they can get from the FSA office, right? The local FSA office they have or they work through, they can provide us, uh, you know, documents like a 590 uh, print or a subsidiary print, things like that, you know, that they can provide us. And that kind of goes along with the checks and balances that we have throughout the system, right? Where a grower would basically apply and say they're doing these practices. Um, the next step is we would say, okay, great, uh, provide some proofs of practice. Um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, cover crops, for instance, it's it's providing, um, you know, a copy of your cover crop, Receipt or an invoice. Um, when we're talking about a, a no-till or a strip-till or reduced till, um, you know, it's providing pictures of, of that, you know, reduced or no-till and in your actual land and, and things like that. Um, we try to make it easy. We realize that not everyone, you know, wants to do the paperwork and do all this, all these things, um, you know. So we try to make it easy for the grower and we help them along. Um, and that's kind of also why I think it's it's been success, successful is because the DeLong company has the resources, right, where we have our own agronomy team. We have our own grain merchandisers. We have kind of these pre-built relationships with the farmers out there. And, you know, the whole company is is willing to help them kind of along the process with the paperwork and with any questions. So basically, they would do that enrollment. They would do their proofs of practice. You know, And basically, we, we report that, you know, that, that back to the USDA. Um, and then they kind of get the green light to get incentivized. So there are numer- numerous checks and balances and, and a lot of information exchanged between us, but um, so far it's, it's worked really well. And we're always thinking about how we can make the process easier for the growers themselves and us you know, to get that necessary information.
0: I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing production agriculture challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments designed to perform in varying planting conditions. Yetter products maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now let's get back to the conversation.
2: What data are they, they being the farmers, collecting throughout the season for you guys?
1: A lot of it is we look at, you know, things that they should already be have they, they have, um, thinking about, you know, average yield numbers and, and how many acres that they're, you know, farming and, and doing these practices on, things like how much cover crop seeds you buy, how much nitrogen you apply, things like that. Um, that hopefully it shouldn't be anything new for them to to you know pull from their records or know about. So hopefully there's no surprises in our program or there's nothing that's like, you know, confuses them about what they're doing. Believe me, it's a big thing for us is is making it easy on them. Because like I mentioned before, it's everyone's complaint that they don't, you know, obviously want to do more paperwork and and look into that and spend the time. But I I think we've made it easy enough where it's, it's worthwhile for them to do that and get these incentives at the same time where they feel like, hey, you know, this is a rewarding experience for me. And we have a good customer relationship that, you know, we can help them through it. So.
2: Right, and then what is the D company doing with the data uh, after it's collected?
1: Sure, and that's that's a big thing for us right now, right? Is that we're really wrapping up our first year um, about enrolling growers, so we have some preliminary data and, and demographics and sizes and things like that that we can kind of pull together. But that's something that we're really excited about looking into more once we get through this enrollment process and reporting it back to the USDA and you know, the the Climate Smart Commodities grant itself. It'll be really interesting to see what we can get from that and some of the data that comes from it. So that's definitely something that we're excited about, but we we don't have all the information yet, but hopefully, you know, by the end of the year, we'll have some really interesting data about, you know, how many sustainable farmers are out there already and how many, you know, have been doing these, these practices for years and how many new practices are there. You know, things like how much carbon capture our program is going to be able to attribute to these practices um, will be really interesting to see. So I say, I I think that's something that we're working through right now and gathering, but we definitely want to be accurate with it and and think about how to, you know, work in a way that it makes sense for everybody that when we share this information, that it, it, it really resonates with people out there that we're making a difference and that we're actually, you know, actively doing something right and not just saying it, but we're actively want to show that we're making a difference.
2: For sure. So then your company knows that, hey, we're getting grain and crops from farmers who are producing it sustainably. How does that then translate to people who are purchasing the grain farther down the supply chain?
1: Right. And that's that's a big thing. And, uh, and honestly, that's a question we get a lot, right? Is is what does the DeLong company want from this program in the long run, right? What, what are we trying to do here? The end goal for us is after these five years, right? And the funding ends. Year six, year seven, we don't want to say, hey, the, the, that was a great five years, we did a lot of good work and, and got farmers to do these sustainable practices and new incentives, but we're dropping it and that's that, right? Basically, you know, after five years, we really want to have a market developed where there's a premium commanded in the market, right, for these grains that come from sustainable farming practices and the sustainable farmers themselves. So when these corporate buyers buy these grains from us and they buy them at a premium, we can ultimately pass that premium down to the grower, Right. Because they're doing the right thing and producing better quality grains than your average grain out there. So um, that's really the end goal here is, you know, in year six, seven, eight, there's a there's a market that commands a premium and meets some of these ESG standards and goals and, you know, carbon reduction goals that I mentioned before that a lot of these corporations have, you know, when it comes to the ingredients they source and, and how it works all throughout their supply chain. So that's kind of the end goal here. And I think it's really cool that we're thinking about that already in year one, right? We're not thinking about it in year four or year five, um, because at that point, unfortunately, it'd be too late. So a lot of, you know, what we've been doing is is speaking to, you know, the corporate buyers themselves, but other CSC grant awardees and talking about how can we come to unify the market? and, and making a standard that you know we can all go by, so that this market is is developed and and ultimately commands a premium for the grains, or you know the dairy, or the livestock, or anything that goes through this this whole entire grant.
2: So, in your conversations with the corporate buyers, what is their outlook on this type of market? Where's their interest at right now? Too.
1: Yeah, I, it's 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 been really exciting to see that the corporate buyers and the other corporations out there that are you know, thinking about this, they're very excited about it. There's definitely a market out there, but there's definitely some work to do to kind of keep building it, right? There's a lot of prior existing business and agreements that kind of lend themselves to what we're doing and everything like that. But there's a lot of one education that goes along with it, you know, saying how it makes a difference for you and your company and and what you can claim, but it's also, you know, talking about, you know, the premium derived from it and what that percentage is gonna be. so the, the feedback we've gotten so far has been really good and, and really exciting, and a lot of companies that are out there are are thinking about how they can work their, through their downstream supply chain partners and how it relates to sustainability. When we think about the big companies out there that you know have products on you know the Walmart shelves or the Woodman shelves or things like that, a lot of them are are just now focusing in on how they can get sustainable ingredients into their products and how that makes a difference for them. So. We've seen some really great feedback and and we're really excited to see, you know, what the future holds in this space.
0: And
2: talking about when you're framing it as the percentage premium, what does that look like at this point?
1: Yeah, I, I think it varies depending on the market and depending where it is. There's a lot of avenues that, you know, the premium might not command as big of a percent because the consumer doesn't necessarily see it in the market yet, right? There's a lot of products that there's so many, you know, different Steps within the supply chain that the consumer doesn't even know that that sustainable grains are in that in that end product, and a lot of that relates to kind of what I'm doing and and you know what other people in the the climate smart commodities grant are talking about is the branding and the marketing side of it and the education side of it. So I, I think depending on the market it, it it differs. And like I mentioned, there's you know we're doing mostly the grains and, and commodities such as corn and and soybeans and. Wheat and things like that, but there's other climate smart commodities grant awardees that are doing different elements. Where it comes to dairy, when it comes to livestock or beef, um, things like that. So I think that's something that we're still working through and figuring out. And I think it varies, like I mentioned before, um, depending on the market.
2: Okay, you mentioned that you're talking with the other awardees about how do we unify and make this market sustainable after the the grant ends. Uh, what mm-hmm. is the outlook on that and kind of what's the current consensus about the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, I think everybody is in year one here. And a lot of people are focused on, hey, we have to, you know, the first step is we have to get the growers, right? We have to talk to the farmers or, you know, the people that run a dairy or things like that. We have to get the buy-in from them first. And I will say, you know, with our program, we've been able to achieve that. There's other programs that are are, you know, currently still working on that. So um, I, I think this year one is, is I, I think a lot of other awardees are, are currently working on, you know, getting that, that involvement. Um, but I will say a lot of them that I've talked to, they're thinking the same thing as we do is, hey, we need to come together and, and unify and, and come up with a, a certain standard that, that, you know, qualifies as a climate smart commodity, or, you know, in our case, a grown climate smart commodity. So I think that we're all in the same boat and we all want to, you know, progress the sustainability market. So it's been really awesome to hear that, you know, people want to collaborate and partner and, and come together and unify um, opposed to, you know, trying to be competitive with it and, and trying to gatekeep in that sense. So I think everyone's really excited about it from what I've heard. So I think there's going to be some really cool activations and, and, and new things for year two that, you know, will show that unification in the market more.
2: Awesome. I think that is a trend that we see with no tillers too. Is they're very much willing to share and set aside that competition. So it seems fitting yeah. that uh, when you're working with those type of people and yeah. trying to forward this, that you're all working together.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I um, it, it's been awesome to see you know the involvement from the no till community um, and the no till farmers, and it's it's always great to hear. You know when we talk to one farmer and say, hey you know, we have this program and we can incentivize you and, and we w- want to get you in here and, and help you out. A lot of them are like, hey, uh, you know, I have a really good friend down the road that does no-till and we've been doing it for years and he should know about this too. And, you know, a lot of it comes from that word of mouth and these prior relationships and, and throughout the years. And um, so it's been really rewarding to see, you know, it resonate with farmers and, and the no-till community, which I, I I think this is a great medium for us to kind of discuss the program because it's, it's very, you know, active and, and people, you know, want to share and, and collaborate. So I think that's great. And it's been, it's been, it's been fun to see it work with the community and, and, you know, continue spreading the word about, you know, why you should be doing a a reduced or a no-till and and what effects it should make. And like I said, hopefully it's a, it's a growing thing, right. That in the, in the future, it's more of the norm, um, less, less than, you know, more so than the, the specific group. That, that, hey, we're a no-till group, I, I think it should be more the, the norm, right, where it's, it's better for our soil health and, and water quality and things like that. So,
2: Yeah, so we definitely hope so here too. So looking ahead to year two, uh, what what's on deck for year two? Um, what have you learned from year one that you're going to implement in year two?
1: Yeah, so year two, uh, we're going to start enrolling growers in, in uh, you know, January, February timeframe again. Um, A big thing for us is to continue to scale this program, right? Um, We were very successful this year in in enrolling, like I mentioned, 260,000 plus acres and hundreds of growers and um, covered a wide range of of growers as far as the geographic presence of the states and everything that we're in. But a big goal for us is not to just cap, you know, at 260,000 plus acres, right? We want to continue to scale and reach more growers and more acres and make a larger difference. So we're really excited about that. Um, really excited about, you know, the marketing side of it and coming together, as we mentioned before, the collaboration with other grant awardees, you know, as more and more programs kind of get their feet under them. Um, we're really excited about about the possibility of partnering with them and, and getting some, some products into the market that come directly from this Climate Smart Commodities grant. I think it's going to be really interesting and rewarding to see and hopefully that's just you know the very beginning of it, and it gets the ball rolling. So we're very optimistic about it, and uh, excited for excited to to keep going and building this you know grown climate smart brand and the program itself.
2: So if anyone listening wants to find out more, or work with you, how how do they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, so they can they can visit uh, the grownclimatesmart.com. They can go to the Delong Company uh, website itself. And, and find us through there as well uh, where you can always call in or, or talk to a DeLong company rep. That's at one of the grain elevators near you. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with us that uh, hopefully it should be easy to um, learn more about the program. And obviously we'll be setting out a lot of things as well um, throughout the winter and, and touching base with everybody that, um, you know, could possibly in this program it's been great to see this program kind of start this year and, and be successful and grow. But uh, like I said, we're, we're super excited about you know, enrolling, enrolling more growers uh, next year and, and, and building the program out more and, and getting more people in here. So um, I would say if, if anyone's listening or watching and um, you know is interested, feel free to reach out and we'll be glad to talk to you about the program and, and how we can help you and um, progress the sustainability market more.
0: Thanks to Dylan and the DeLong company for today's conversation. A video and transcript for this episode are available at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Many thanks to Getter Farm Equipment for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Mikaela Bauchner. Thanks for listening.